0: Hi, this is Erin from the Ninja Consultant Podcast, and I'm cross-posting this on the MangaCast while Ed is in Japan as a kind of extra content. Um, But I might start posting this regularly, who knows? So, recently I started doing a manga column for a website called buzzscope.com, which is sort of through Midtown Comics, um, which is a comic book shop here in New York. I'm going to read my reviews of Love Roma, or in High School Host Club, Pieces of a Spiral, Tenjo Tengue, Volume 3, and The Wallflower, Volume 1 and (music) 2. Love Roma, Volume 1. Love Roma is put out by Del Rey, and it's by Minoru Toyota. For each review I have a thing, who would like this book, and who would hate this book. Who would like Love Roma? Anyone with a beating heart. And who would hate it? The Grinch. Are you breathing? Then you should read Love Roma. I was gonna begin with, are you a jaded hipster who turns your nose up at manga, or are you an American comic book artist who loves indie comics but is skeptical, but is skeptical about manga? However, on further consideration, I've decided that i recommend Love Roma to anyone who isn't legally blind and is reasonably literate. I first heard of Love Roma from a Delray representative who said it was one of Clamp's favorite titles. Having read the first volume, I'm thoroughly puzzled, because Love Roma is the opposite of nearly everything Clamp has ever done. Or more accurately, Love Roma is the opposite of Love Hina, which, you know, isn't Clamp. But In Love Roma, the protagonist, Toshino, asks out his love interest, Nagishi, on the first panel of the first page. The same thing takes like four volumes of Love Hina. Nagishi doesn't punch him in the face or call him a pervert like Naru, nor does she offer to be his wife on page three. Nagisha agrees to go out with Hishino, even though she doesn't remember his name at first. They go, proceed to date in a very realistic junior high way. Love Roma lacks so many of the standards and of normal manga. The characters have, do not have big doe eyes, there are no bishonen. there are no harems with beautiful girls, there are no love triangles, no magic girls, no demons, no vampires, and no cute mascots. If it weren't for school uniforms and bento boxes, you might think that Love Roma was an American indie comic or a throwback from when indie comics seemed a lot more promising, at least to me. I encourage anyone who thinks that all manga looks the same to pick up this book. I strongly encourage aspiring comic book artists to pick up this book because their artwork is inspiring to anyone who who thinks they can't draw. It's not a poorly drawn book, but it's drawn in a neat and simple way that isn't intimidating to other artists, like myself. The author's notes are also highly encouraging. Instead of giving the impression that he breezed through the book, Minoru Toyota writes that he really struggled to create the comic. Love Room is a simple tale of romance with simple art. It's never sappy or overly sentimental. Flower petals don't shower down on kissing characters. Instead, it's a love story told with a good sense of humor. The age rating on the back says 16+, plus because there's a condom in the first chapter as a kind of joke. However, this is a book that anyone from ages 10 to 85 would love. Pieces of a Spiral, Volume 1. Pieces of a Spiral is put out by CMX Comics, and it's by Tachibana Kaimu. Who would like this book? Aspiring yaoi doujin artist. And who would hate it? Everyone else. I picked up Pieces of a Spiral because I thought it was something else. Pieces of a Spiral is not, in fact, Spiral Tsuri no Gizu- Gizuna, which is the story about the Blade Children, which has been adapted into an anime, anime series called Spiral. Instead, Pieces of Spiral is a confusing tale of two identical strangers, Kazuki and Makoto, who used to study under the same mystical teacher in a past life. Now reincarnated in modern Japan, Kazuki and Makoto must fight an evil demon who troubled them in ancient Japan. This time, the demon possesses their cute greenhouse-tending friend. Does it sound confusing? It really is. The story is so muddled in the early chapters that apparently the editors stepped in and started providing more story summaries and character profiles in later chapters. Skimpy backgrounds, identical protagonists, and flashbacks to ancient Japan don't help one's understanding of the plot. When you do understand what's going on, it's disappointingly generic. It turns out the story is very dull, inuyasha ripoff, with no girls and fewer half-demon dogmen. Instead of reading this manga, I'd much rather read Dojinji by a fan of this comic. At least in the Dojinji, the cute boys might make out. As it is, they just stand around wielding their incredibly powerful yet boring psychic powers. I wouldn't recommend this book to non-manga fans, as they'll only complain about the same things that they think are wrong with all manga. The characters look alike, the boys look like girls, their eyes are too big, the plot makes no sense, and so forth. Pieces of a spiral poison the minds of skeptical hipsters against manga. I can't picture the sort of person I'd recommend this book to. In fact, I was left wondering exactly sort of what person would want to read this book. <laughs> Oren High School Host Club Volume 1. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing the title wrong. Um, it's put out in this country by. It's put out in the US by Shoujo Beat Manga, and it's by Isko Hitori. Who would like this book? Girls who read manga. And maybe metrosexual guys? And who would hate it? Heterosexual guys, unless they have a really good sense of humor. Oren High School Host Club is terrific, but I wouldn't recommend it to beginner manga fans who are not yet steeped in the details of Japanese culture. There are absolutely no translator's books, translators' notes in the book, where I think many are needed. To begin with, what's a host club? I found out about hostess, hostess clubs by reading Speed Tribes, Days and Nights with Japan's Next Generation by Carl T. Greenfield. Hostess clubs may have died out by the late 1990s, but for a time there were trendy nightclubs where rich businessmen would pay big money just to have pretty women talk to them in a semi-private booth. These businessmen would buy hostesses' expensive gifts, like jewelry and designer purses, all for the slight possibility that there might be sexual favors involved later. So it's not exactly prostitution, but it could lead to that sort of thing. According to an article I found in Time Asia, by 2002, host clubs were all the rage, like male host clubs, and somewhat classier. Rich women would pay big money to talk to hot young men. We're in high school host club, is the high school equivalent of that. Idle rich girls at a private academy hang out with the host club's hot young men in an ornate, unused library. Because obviously no one at the school studies. They're not looking for sexual favors, but they might want to date. The protagonist, Haruhi, or Haru for short, stumbles unknowingly into the club, breaks an $80,000 vase, is mistaken for being a hot guy herself, and is forced to work as a host to pay back her debt. At least one character is surprised to discover that Haru is actually a frumpy girl and not a guy, She's a scholarship student and she couldn't afford the school's fancy uniform. Much of the humor of the book is derived from the fact that Haru is middle class while the boys are upper class. They've never had instant coffee or instant ramen. Haru has never had fatty tuna. The rest of the humor stems from Haru's calmness as she's surrounded by metrosexual pretty boy drama queens, many of whom need their egos stroked continually. Haru becomes the calm in the middle of the host club maelstrom. The art in this book is really good. The mangaka has not cut corners with backgrounds, and there aren't aren't many giant splash panels or blank pages with floating text. The pages are busy looking throughout, to the point that sometimes it's a little hard to tell what's going on. The characters are all very attractive looking, and are usually easy to tell apart. I was a little surprised to find in the character profiles at the inn that Kyoya and Takashi, who are both brunettes, are not actually the same person. So that was a little confusing. Despite the large cast of adorable boys, there's, this is not a harem romance. It's pretty obvious, obvious that Haru's going to end up with Tamaki from the outset, if not from the cover. That said, I don't really look forward to Haru's inevitable romance with Tamaki. Even if he really cares for her, he doesn't seem like the type of guy who Haru would want to date. What appeals to me most about in High School Host Club is Haru's lack of femininity. Haru isn't disguised like a boy, like in Han- Hanakimi, nor is she actively ungirly, as in the girl in the wallflower. Instead, she's just kind of lazy. She cut off her long, girly hair because someone threw gum in it. She wears her dad's bulky sweaters because she feels like it. I can see a lot of myself in horror. I would recommend this book to seasoned manga readers, although I would hesitate to recommend it to heterosexual guys. It's funny, and I plan to buy the whole series, but it isn't a general audience's kind of funny. Tenjo Tenge, Volume 3. Tenjo Tenge is um, released in this country, in the U.S. by CMX. Um, and the anime is available from On. Who would like this book? Anyone who likes sexy violence. Who would hate it? The easily offended grandparents, parents. So tons of controversy surrounds Tenjo Tenge sent- being censored and edited by CMX. You can read all about it in the Comics Journal and on the rest of the internet. Meanwhile, I've watched the first DVD of Tenjo Tenge*, the anime series, and I've read only volume 3 of the manga. I wouldn't really recommend starting with volume 3 like I did because it's a little confusing. I was surprised how much cuter the characters are in the manga compared to the anime. Keep in mind when I say cute, I mean it in the context that Natsume is surprisingly adorable as she smashes every bone in that guy's arm. The trouble with many shonen titles is that the characters, including the girls, are ridiculously masculine-looking, and the girls are just plain ugly, like in Baki the Grappler or Air Master. Tenjo Tenge serves up a platter of bone-crushing fight scenes with attractive girls and relatively good-looking guys. The art is high quality. It's not artsy like in Blade of the Immortal. If manga were movies, Blade of the Immortal might be more like Kill Bill, and Tenjo Tenge is any action-packed summer blockbuster like Independence Day except infinitely cooler, although less scientifically feasible. There are plenty of splash pages and large, well-rendered panels that make the book a fast read. For example, page 90 has only two panels, three characters therein, and only one line of text as a character says, Hmm. That's both a good and bad thing. When the characters do talk a bit more, it's usually to describe a fighting technique in detail or explain why they became a brawler. Granted, that's pretty typical of shonen Fair, where characters must constantly reiterate the reason why they fight. And sometimes a move is so cool that nearby characters have to tell you the, you, the audience, exactly what that particular fighting technique is and why it's so difficult and deadly. In the end, the real question for me was not how much our little CMX censored out, but how embarrassed I was to read this on the subway. I've heard that in Tokyo, people read hentai on the trains. But reading any comic book at all in New York City Transit is a rarity, and it usually attracts the attention of curious commuters nearby. As character after female character had her clothes ripped off or shredded by ki or samurai swords or what have you, I'd have to shift my bookmark just in case someone was glancing over my shoulder. There's one character in this volume, the head of the executive committee, who wears some kind of leather bondage suit as his costume. He looks like Goku gone Super Saiyan. I'm a little worried that a small kid might look over my shoulder and say, Mommy, why is Goku wearing leather? My main complaint about Kenjo Tenge isn't the censorship, or the pointy breast, or the Hollywood plot. It's the mixed bag of sound effects translations. Some of the sound effects have been totally replaced with English translations, but others have been translated with English letters and smaller letters off to one side, which is what, how I kind of like it to see them do it. But it seems like I ran across one or two effects that were left totally untranslated. That's really annoying since most publishing companies either totally replace the sound effects with English like shoujo beat titles, or translate them off to one side, like Del Rey, or they don't bother translating them at all, like Tokyo Pop. Why would CMX inconsistently do all three things? It looks like Pieces of a Spiral is also unevenly translated, that's another CMX title, but there are fewer sound effects, so it's less noticeable. If you've been reading Tenjo Tenge all along, you probably wouldn't want to miss Volume 3, since most of it takes place during the middle of a a rumble at a bowling alley, which I figured out when I watched a couple more episodes of the anime. It seems to pick up at the end of one fight and leave off at the start of another fight, so if you're already a fan of the series, I'm sure it's just more of the same. Tenjo Tenge isn't really my thing, but it's certainly entertaining. It's kinda like the Guns N' Roses of manga. In fact, there's a guy in this volume who dresses like Axel Rose. I'd recommend Tenjo Tenge to, guy- to guys, fans of shonen, and anyone who might reread Natsume's character in a positive light for feminist. It's probably not an impossible task, but it's not easy either. If you don't want to support CMX's cutting the book to shreds, buy a used copy or borrow it from a friend. It only takes like half an hour to read. Next, I have read uh, The Wallflower. I read volumes 1 and 2. It's put out in the U.S. by Del Rey, and the author is Tomoko Hayakawa. So who would like this book? Shy girls who like horror movies. Or fangirls, and most of my friends. Who would hate it? Macho shonen fans. The first two volumes of The Wallflower were forced into my hands by a Del Rey employee at a manga event. You'll love it, he claimed, but I wasn't so sure. Based on the premise alone, this series should be horrible. Based on the cover art and the blurb on the back cover, the first two volumes sat on my shelf for a few months unread. I was totally wrong, and that Delge- Del Rey guy was totally right. I love this series. It's about Sunaku Nakahara, who lives alone in her aunt's mansion, pursuing her favorite pastimes, sitting in the dark and watching horror movies. Her only friends are a plastic skeleton and an anatomical dummy named Hiroshikun. kun life is ruined when her aunt allows four super-hot high school students to live in the mansion for free on one condition, that they make over Sunako into a real lady. Fortunately, the plot doesn't go as smoothly as Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. If it did, I would hate this series as much as I hate that show. Instead, Tsunaku is largely successful in her attempts at dodging reform. She only cuts her vision-obscuring bangs in the direst of emergencies. and By the beginning of Volume 2, she is, she's wearing a hat to cover her eyes. There's these, there are these great parts where Sunaku is looking through her bangs, and you get Tsunaku's point of view... It's totally awesome and hilarious, but after she cuts her bangs, she has to wear a hat to hide her eyes. Don't get me wrong, Sunaku does get made over in Volume 1, and when she does, it's a hell of a splash page. Fortunately, two pages later, she's back to her usual self. The art in this series varies a lot. The hot guys are always drawn hot, but Sunaku is often a very flat and cartoonish caricature of herself. The panel layout can get weird at times, and occasionally the artist seems to cut corners when it comes to drawing backgrounds. That gets a lot worse in Volume 3, which I just finished reading. Overall, I think the lack of backgrounds is made up for by the level of comedy. I can't stress enough how funny the wallflower is. Sunaku is regularly mistaken for a ghost. Every time she comes into close contact with her housemates, her nose bleeds profusely, hitting the guys in the face as Sunaku passes out from blood loss. The guys are continually confronted by squealing girls and solicited by host club owners. That said, Volume 2 is a little disappointing. After The Phenomenal Volume 1, which I will loan to all my friends, or at least my friends who are girls, Volume 2 is filled with standard anime-manga cliché plots. There's a Christmas story, a New Year's adventure, and a Hot Springs adventure. The manga ka specifically states in her author's notes that she couldn't wait to do a Hot Springs story. Maybe it just makes more sense if you're Japanese and you understand all of the Hot Springs in-jokes, but this kind of clichéd storyline will bore more seasoned American fans of anime. There's still remarkably funny bits in Volume 2, and an insightful mini-comic at the end about the author going to a rock concert and acting like a groupie. I'd assume that the author identified with Tsunaku, but I guess she's not a very shy person after all. It's definitely worth picking up Volume 1 of The Wallflower, but whether you should buy the entire series, that remains to be seen. I'll certainly keep reading it, and I'll tell you all about it. Um, And that concludes my reviews for this first column of Manga Recon. I've already written the second column, um, so I hope to put it online eventually. Thanks for listening, and check out ninjaconsultant.com and also buzzscope.com.